Hello again, this is Charlie Balfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyer's Hour on WCPT AM 820, where the facts matter. And we are going to have a, I'm guessing, a little bit of an emotional discussion today because we're going to talk about relationships in the real estate business and also how to deal with, um, and deal with isn't the right term, but how to work with professionally a first-time home buyer. And yeah, we're going to kind of focus on I that. Think, is what is what you're kind of manage, work with, you know, find out what's the best way to help the client that we can, right? So in the studio with us, I got Patrick Loftus of Loftus Law. Patrick, if you don't mind, give us a hello. Hello. And tell us about you and your company and <laughs> and give a, give a shout out to our number one fan. Well, good morning to my number one fan, my wife, Anna. Uh, I am Patrick Loftus. I am a real estate lawyer. I handle real estate transactions, so if you've ever bought or sold a home, you probably worked with someone like me. And my job is to make sure that you're not taken advantage of in that process uh, and get you to the closing table if that's what is uh, for the best. So if you want, if that sounds good to you. <laughs> but that's all of our jobs too. Well, indeed, you know. indeed. Um, you know, we want, to, uh, we want to protect our clients. We want to make mm-hmm. sure that they have um, well, a good experience. I don't know if that's the right expectation, but uh, but the right experience. We uh, protect them with knowledge. That's the big, the biggest thing. The more knowledge we can share with them, the better decisions they make. Indeed, and I love to overshare my knowledge with them. <laughs> if you want me to overshare my knowledge with you, call or text 773-632-8330. Sounds good. And then our real estate agent or broker guest that we have in the studio with us, his name is Scott Fishman. I know he's been around for a long time. I've had some pretty decent heart-to-heart conversations with this man, and he has my utmost respect. Scott, please tell us about you, your brokerage, your team. Give everyone why you're unique. Well, first of all, thank you guys for inviting me in this morning. Appreciate it. Um, I don't know if I've been an agent for, you've said a long, long time. It's sort of like when you talk to uh Tell someone that they're your old friend, right, as opposed to your friend you've known for a while. But anyway, so my name is Scott Fishman. Uh, I run the Fishman Group, which is myself and two other agents. We are with uh, Worth Clark Real Estate, which is a small virtual brokerage. We're headquartered out of St. Louis. Um, we all work with buyers and sellers throughout the Chicagoland area. I am a lifelong Chicagoan. And White Sox fan. We'll just throw that out there. We had that previous conversation. Indeed, um, indeed. And 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 I, I admire that about you. I appreciate that, Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> you got to wear that. Uh, they don't make it easy for us. But mm. that aside, on the business side I of am things, just biting my lip. I appreciate that. We'll we'll get to we'll get to that. Um, so on the you know client side of things, we really focus on the relationships, which I'm glad we're talking about today. Uh, one of our goals when with new clients is we try to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them and the, ask the, the big why question. Why are you moving? Why this neighborhood? Why do you need three bedrooms? Well, let me why that back on you. Why does that matter? It really gives you an understanding of who your clients are, right? So what's their motivation? Um, you know, most of my clients are, um, you know, well, they're all residential. Uh, I have a few developer clients, but most of them are going to live in the house or condo they're buying. And so... There's always some motivation of why are you moving? You're not just moving because people love to move, right? It's expensive. It's, it's horrible. Uh, it's horrible. Yeah. People freak out. No. So there's got to be a pretty strong why. Um, it could be schools. That's what brought us to Evanston, really great high school. Uh, it could be you're expecting a baby. You're getting married. You're getting divorced. Um, you now need a third or fourth bedroom because you're working from home. Mm-hmm. Um but there's always a good why. And that I think if people um, don't always think about that, they just, they know they got to move. So it, it's a little self-reflection. Uh, people love talking about themselves. So one of my jobs, and I talk to my teammates about this, is pick your three or four really good questions that you really want answers to, ask those questions, and then shut up and let your client talk. That sounds so mean. Well, but it's so accurate. Well, I say that to yeah. my people on my team. I don't say that to my client. Uh, yeah. But it's true, right? Like, we all like it to talk. True. And we love our favorite topic is often ourselves. Um, I don't remember who told me this. Like, if you are you're in a group photo, who's the first person you always look for? It's you. 
That's or, true. Or, or if it, you have kids, yeah. your kids are in a, your you know baseball team photo. You look for your kid. And when, I, um, when I'm on Zoom, I'm just staring at my own picture. Like, yeah, or you're fixing your hair. You're like, oh man, I should yeah. have worn that shirt on this Zoom call. Yeah. So Why do I, I have such a shine in my forehead? Oh my right? God. I so got it. I think it's the same thing. Is people want to tell you their story, um, and I, I use that reference point quite a bit about uh, for my buyers, like. What is your story? Why are you moving? And for my listing clients, um, why did they buy that house? What, why was it special five years ago or 30 years ago? Because um, I, as their listing agent, I want to tell their story about their house and their experience. Well, go into um, more than that. That's interesting. What do you mean by you want to tell their story? So, you know, obviously any agent um, can talk about the details, you can find it online. You can find it on the sell sheet. Oh, there's four bedrooms. There's three okay. baths. It's 2,000 square feet. Obviously, those things are important, but those, um, you don't necessarily need a real estate agent for that if you're a listing agent. Um, I feel like if I'm selling your house, Charlie, um, I want to know what your why was when you bought it um, because I think you, the person buying your house is probably going to have a similar why. Oh, we moved here because we were expecting and we wanted a great grade school and a park nearby. And and then tell me about that. Oh, this is a great place to raise my kids. You know, there's a park three blocks away. There's a, the metro stop I can walk to or ride my bike to. Um, those are the kind of details that your your agent should know. Your agent should be talking about when they're showing the house, if they're doing open houses, because all the specs, like, the specs are the specs. Like they're not sexy. They're not interesting. They're on every website in the universe, right? Once it's gone live in the MLS. So what differentiates your house from the house around the block? Um, maybe okay. physically nothing, but your story might be a lot more interesting. Um, or that other agent may not tell your story. They might just talk about the house. So I think it's really important. Um, to get that level of knowledge, that relationship built early, because I think I can be a much better agent with all of that information in, in my, uh, you know, in my little notebook. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to that. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, exactly what you said. Is uh, when when you are trying to develop a, develop a relationship with someone, if you find yourself doing most of the talking, you're probably developing your relationship with them. But they are not also, uh, that's not reciprocal in that situation. Um, and as much as I, 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 I should probably not go here, but it's the same <laughs> way when you're dating, right? If you're on a date and you find yourself talking the entire time, that person is probably bored to tears. Yeah. Um, and so you want to make sure. And so, of course, it's, this isn't specific to dating. It's, uh, you know, it works with any kind of developing a relationship. relationship. Yeah, no, I think you're right on. It is very similar to dating that first date, which I think is like, like I said, with my buyer clients, I try to set up a first date. I'm, we go for coffee. Um, they're not distracted by the house. They're not distracted by, you know, the spec sheet. Um, that will all come. And obviously that's the super fun part about looking for a new house is going physically looking. Um, but I, I had some new clients a couple weekends ago where we actually, we met at Starbucks. Uh, we talked for about 40 minutes. They had their eighth grader with them. And then we went and looked at like three houses and all the reasons why now I can kind of fine tune or focus on those houses to either bring up or say, you know, you said you really wanted that fourth bedroom because you got to have a home office and this doesn't have a fourth bedroom but you could finish the basement. Like it just changes how I show a house because now I know all this information that's really important to them. Yeah, they're, they're essentially using you. I mean, the same way we use chat GPT, right? So <laughs> you, you're, not not art, you're not artificial intelligence, you are intelligence. <laughs> Thank and you, so, appreciate that. Yeah, they're putting in these prompts and then you're able to digest that and then use your experience and knowledge base to then give them really useful actionable uh information and and think strategically and not just say okay you brought me five houses that you pulled off of uh, a web search let's just go look at those houses um right it's the way you look at 
a, a, this, a search for a home is going to be uh, it's going to be so much more in depth, detailed, and the the results, the um, what comes out of that is going to be on another level. Um, and people won't necessarily appreciate that, but but when you take them to a house that they didn't necessarily flag in that search and they go, wow, this is a great house. You know, how did you think about that? That's right. that's it, it, where you're trying to drill into. And I think that's super useful. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. So, I mean, I think part of that step is obviously the technology allows us to set up these auto searches, right? You have the basic parameters and that's fine. Cause like, that's great to use that technology to just crank out anything new that comes on the market. But, you know, um, they're they're working with me because what else do I bring to the table, to your point? So, you know, looking on the private listing network, looking on the top agent network, all these pre-market listings, um, digging into the MLS beyond just what those parameters are, to your point. Um, I had some clients miss out on a property this weekend, but one of the best part about it was, um, was the conversation we had yesterday morning. Like, they were really disappointed, but it totally crystallized. We had looked at a bunch of places. This place really checked a ton of their boxes, and it really crystallized, like, you know what? This is, here's the things we have to have now, because we've seen it, we know it exists. So, you know, they have to be on a first floor, it has to be so many square feet, it has to be this, and you're like, okay, right on. Like, it, in some ways, it's uh, my job's come easier because I know exactly what they want, and now it's on me to go find that. Um, maybe it's not exactly in the neighborhood they wanted, but if I can deliver this property outside of their little box that checks all all of their wish list, um, I, I think I've I've done my job as a realtor for I, sure. I do want to bring up that neighborhood part. I mm -hmm. mean, isn't that really the first step before you the type of house? Because in, in the Chicagoland area, we do have people, you know, that watch this and listen all over the country. But in the Chicagoland area, we have now 78 new neighbor, or neighborhoods in oh, the city alone. One? There is a new one. Ooh. And um, I think it's Lincoln Square or the Lincoln. Uh, it's the Lincoln Development. Um, That's it. Right yeah. by, uh, like, you know where um, uh, the hideout yeah. bar okay. is? Yeah, like yeah, North yeah. Avenue. Over, over and by, like, Goose Alston. Island. Yeah. And yeah. then and then you take that and you add on probably another suburbs that come around the Chicago metropolitan area, they all have their own unique character. They're all different. They're all unique to a different individual. So except what, for Naperville, Naperville doesn't have anything. Well, I got to say, I, I got to be what? careful there don't, because I'm going there this evening. Yeah, don't, don't get me started on Naperville. <laughs> I do want to throw podcast, out. A, I'm in trouble. I do <laughs> want to throw out a plug for Joey. He's not with us right now. And uh, Joey Matthews at a Federal Savings Bank, he's doing a VA, um, a VA mortgage um, information session tonight in Naperville. Oh, I'm going to go right. down there and give him some support on that stuff. So if anybody's interested in that, I know it's all free. And even if you attend, they'll even buy you a drink. They won't get you drunk, but they'll go from that part. But and. and Another and need, thing I like and about you need Naperville. One if you're going to Naperville. <laughs> my one of my old high school buddies is actually the fire chief out there, and I, I miss him, but I'm very proud of him that he's doing you know doing yeah, good stuff awesome. out there. But um, but no, as you said, it's different neighborhoods. So is that part of your process when you get to know your client? It, it is, and and it it <clears throat> that is sometimes what people lead with for sure. So like this family I met with um, a couple weekends ago, Evanston was at the top of their list because they live in Rogers Park, so they kind of know the area, but the high school is the driver. So the Wild Kits? The Wild Kits, yes. I got to say, though, as a Trevian, you know, we oh, are enemies ooh, a little bit there, ooh. right? There it is. So uh, we are a little bit of high school rivals. So Yeah, and two mascots that no one knows what in the world, <laughs> a Wild Kit and a Trevian. What, like, oh, yeah. My high school was a Viking. Like, yeah. See, there you go. Mine too. We know. Vikings. Mine was an eagle. I yeah, know what an so eagle there is. there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk about mascots, I'm sure, <laughs> on a different, different time. But um, it, it really depends. It gets back to that why. Um, so for them, the why is Evanston Township High School. Like, that is their catalyst for getting into Evanston. Nice. They have an eighth grader. They want her to go there for, for high school. So, so for sure, I'm not going to show them stuff in Skokie. I might show them something in Skevinston, which is a ridiculous 
blend of Skokie and Evanston. But oh, okay. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what deal with the devil. Um, probably in the twenties or thirties, Evanston and Skokie made. But yeah. if you look at the boundary lines, it looks like a jigsaw puzzle. So there is this part of between Evanston and Skokie called Skevanston that. <laughs> I never heard that before. Um, right there, I don't think that's an official. But <laughs> I don't think so. Realtors, uh, so it's Evanston Schools, Skokie Tax Base, okay, and, Tokes, uh, and Skokie um, Public Services, which I have. It's beyond me. I like. It makes no sense to me. But anyway, all that being said, um, so for them, uh, location was right at the top of the list. Um, but these other clients that missed out on this condo in Rogers Park. Um, I think the missing out on this property crystallized the space they want. You know, they have some ideas. They would love to stay in Rogers Park, but I think that opened the door of like, hey, if we can find a cool vintage building that's, you know, 2,000 square feet and three bedrooms and parking and first floor and all these things, we would probably be open to Edgewater or Uptown or... So it's really unpacking that... The, the why, and I, I hate to keep coming back to that, but it's really... You should. It's important. It's, you know, for them, this is going to be... Pro they're planning their last house they're buying. They're in their early 60s. Um, they don't want stairs. They want room for their grown kids to hang out if they come visit. Uh, so their list is pretty clear. Um, yeah. So now it's really on me to find that that space. And then the neighborhood is not as important to them, which is awesome because it, it opens up a, a, a whole lot of uh, opportunities for them then. Yeah, so, I think pe go ahead. Pe people don't necessarily know what they don't know. No, um, nobody knows. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? The very controversial statement there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he went on a limb there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, your role in helping them discover that, um, you know, would they be able to do so without your uh, guidance? I mean, probably not, right? Well, I, I think one of the things that a good realtor does, and we talk about this on our team, and again, it gets back to asking the right questions, but it, there is a lot of, you're really forcing your clients to have some self-reflection, which for most people is, I don't want to say painful, but a lot of people don't really want to. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's not, it's not a, um, a default setting, for sure. So I think asking the questions... Um, to help your clients start thinking about things that they don't know or maybe things they hadn't ever really thought about is really critical. Um, not as much on the sales side, but there is some some of that of what's the motivation of why you're selling, um, what your time frame is, what's important to you. I just had, you know, we were talking about this before we started uh, the show about the relationships and you know when you see a certain lawyer or you see a certain agent on a contract or an appointment sometimes it's super exciting you're like oh awesome it's well they all person. make you happy every person in this world makes you happy <laughs> some are when they enter the room and some are when they leave the room fair enough but fair they, enough. All, make uh, they happy. all make you happy so fair there enough. are certainly other agents that make me very happy when i see they've made an appointment um and i had a listing in noble square I saw this woman, Pam, who I've done deals with in the past. She's out of Park Ridge. She's great. Uh, Pam Rea, I'll give her a quick plug. She and her nice. sister, uh, I think it's her sister, are, are business partners. She's great. She's she's really professional. She's always buttoned up. She really cares about her clients. So again, being on the other side of the deal, we've already just jumped about five steps up. We're like, okay, if they're going to make an offer, this is going to be like, this is going to be a good good deal. And so her clients did make an offer and, uh, it was on a Friday and we were supposed to have open houses Saturday and Sunday. And, um, it was a very good offer. And she's like, what would it take for you guys to cancel the open houses over the weekend? We, my clients really want this place. And I'm like, that's a really good question. Hmm. I said, let me go talk to my people. So I talked to my clients, go through the offer. I said, this is a really good offer. I'm like, and they're like, yeah, but it's the first offer and we it's supposed to be really nice Saturday and Sunday. And I'm like, tell you what, take an hour, write down the wish list offer. Everything you would, like, I don't care how unreasonable it is, everything you would want in an offer and let's review. And I called them back and they're like, okay, we want this and this. And like, okay, those three things are already on the contract. So we're good. And 
really the rest of their list wasn't unreasonable. They wanted it as is. They wanted a certain closing date. Uh, they wanted a certain percentage of earnest money. All, you know, fairly reasonable asks. I'm like, so if they come back and say yes to all those things, you guys are cool with canceling the open, taking this offer. And they're like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, well, the question to really ask yourself is, what else do you want? Do you, do you want to take the chance this weekend that you'll get another offer for $5,000 more, $10,000 more, and then you start worrying about appraisals? And like, is it worth it to you to gamble? Like, I don't gamble, literally. I, so I'm always conservative. Like, if they ask my opinion, like, what would you do? I'm like, I would take this offer because it's everything I want. So what, what else do you want? And they're like, no, that's really good. So I went back to Pam and said, here's the three things they want on top of your offer. She went and talked to her client. Deal done. Friday, Friday night, mm -hmm. canceled the open houses. I had a bunch of really unhappy agents, but I'm like, what else are we waiting for? Which is if awesome. You got what you got. Yeah. We got what we want. They got what they wanted. The sellers feel, or the buyers feel like they didn't have to give up something crazy. And I, it gets back to these relationships, right? So Pam and I have a great relationship. I knew she was going to be a grown-up. She was going to give great counsel to her clients. She knew that I was going to do the same thing. There's no games. There's no leveraging anybody. We're not asking her buyers to give away all their rights like we were seeing last year with appraisal gaps and mortgage contingency waves and all those kind of uh, BS. I'm going to interrupt you a little bit, Scott. Oh, I yeah. want to go around the horn right now and yeah. just give a plug for our businesses. How do people get hold of you if they have more questions about relationships with clients? Um, so my cell is 773-316-5409. So you can call or text there. Like all good agents, it is with me at all times. Um, I will try to return calls the same day. Um, our website is fishmangroup.properties, and um, and you can find me on, I think, every single social media now because I've actually opened a TikTok account. Oh, gosh, and now we have mm. our TikTok influencer, I know. Patrick, <laughs> which, by the way, Patrick, you need to plug that thing. It's growing so fast. Well, yeah, I've got, I run two TikTok accounts. One is at Loftus Law. I have two followers. Wow. Um, You're going to have three later on today. Nice, four. nice. Four. Four. <laughs> You're going to double your following. Yeah, that's that. amazing. That's, uh, those numbers look good. Um, <laughs> if you want, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, become like my 73rd follower, Loftus underscore law. You can email me at Patrick at Loftus dot law. Um, and I also, I, I'm just a nerd for cheap flights. So if you yeah. want to if you want to find cheap flights every day, I'll tell you about them. Uh, it's at Let Me Help You Fly. I love it. And my name is Charlie Belfontaine. And our phone number, our, first of all, we own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. And our website is www.thehomeinspectors. That's plural, O-R-S, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312 544 9180 repeating 312-544-9180 and then if you're interested in entering the home inspection field or you want to learn more about building science uh, we have home inspection university of illinois and that's h-i-u-i-l.com feel free to skip over there i want to turn the conversation i i really like the fact that everything's about re relationship building all right and one of the biggest things in a relationship, at least this is to me, and you guys are welcome to argue with me on this one, is getting to that trust point you know, with our clients that we deal with. I want them to trust that what I'm telling them is A, beneficial, accurate, you know, just, and, and I become trustworthy with them. So Scott, my, my question on stuff like that is, you refer vendors, right? You refer attorneys. You refer home inspectors. And by the way, we need to get you to improve your home inspection referrals, all right? Um, no, and, and seriously, that's a joke. No, no if, we, if it's a fit, it's a fit, you know, but you need to trust the vendors you work with. How do you communicate with your vendors? Like, do you give them a heads up? Because every human is different. Every client is different. You know, how do you prepare these people or these people, these vendors for this? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think once you start developing those relationships with the attorneys or lenders or home inspectors or even some of the tradespeople I work with, um, I do try to, well, you, there's always a call or a text 
uh, involved before I make that introduction to the um, partner and the client just to give them some reference point. Hey, I have this client. They're going to be buying a single family home in this neighborhood. They're a first time buyer. Here's some of their concerns. Um, and I don't get that. I'll be honest with you. The agents that we have relationships with, I don't get that text, that phone call that that's company coming. Do you, Patrick? Um, it depends. Some agents depends. will, some agents uh, don't, but uh, it, it always is helpful, and I'm saying always, and I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna disclaim that. It's always helpful to get a little bit of insight about the person who either you're about to pick up the phone and call, or is going to be calling you or emailing you. Um, it's, I mean, how can it not be right? Right. Um, the more we know about anything, the the better, the better able we, the better we are to navigate that situation. Well, now I, I can also uh, start. You know, the, the mind starts going and I start thinking about um, things I might uh, have in common with this person. Uh, how am I going to connect with them? How are you um, going to build a relationship? Exactly. Um, and, and one of the first, one of the things uh, I, I like to try to say to clients is, look, I'm going to give you a lot of advice, right? But that's as far as it goes. Uh, in terms of the decision, the decision is yours. Uh, and, and that goes for all aspects of this transaction because at the end of the day, um, it, this isn't about me, right? It's about the client, mm -hmm. and I, I want to make sure the client knows that you know they are welcome to say to me, "I appreciate your advice, appreciate where you're coming from, your viewpoint, your vantage, whatever it is." But I want to do it differently, and as long as it's legal and ethical, then that's how we're doing it. Um, and I have no problem with that. I, I will write the letter uh, to convey the the client's wishes the what the client is is looking to, to to get from the situation and it's not uncommon for whatever i was advising to perhaps be a little off the mark um and it's because i don't have a crystal ball if i did i wouldn't be sitting here i'd be you know doing something else because i'd have won the lottery six you, times you would have uh, you'd be sitting on the island you own probably. indeed yeah. indeed so i think charlie to your point i i, I think that um that introduction. So you definitely need to be working with some different realtors. <laughs> I'll turn that back around on you. So no, 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 that's uh, interesting. And it's... I'm cool with that because I actually, I could change how I work too. I can always go ahead and develop a text or an email that ask for this. You know, sure. it doesn't yeah. have to be them but to train initiate them. it. Train them into how to communicate with you. How can I help them? Yeah. And how, how you can pr even provide better service to their client. Because mm -hmm. I think that that's really where it all stems. Because I want to give you some reference point to your point, Patrick. Like, before you pick up the call to call my client, you now know that they're expecting their first-time buyers. They're freaked out. Yep. Okay, I have a reference point before you, you know, introduce yourself. Um, no, I think that's really important because... Are those the type of information that you share with them? Or is there, like... You know, they're moving from this, I guess, let me just it's, leave it open. What do you share? It's usually, it's kind of organic because mm -hmm. again, it depends on how, how much information I have. Like if they followed, you know, my process, then I probably have a really good handle on who they are. And maybe I've picked up on some things that they're red flags as we've been looking at houses that I want to share with you. So, you know, that's a red flag uh, because my hope is that if I introduce you to you to Charlie or Patrick, there, the hope is you're going to build this trust level pretty quickly because you already know a little bit. Because now the three of us are all in the same corner here, right? We're all pulling for this client. We're all trying to defuse any red flags. Um, and there's also a giantly self-serving purpose of this. It makes my job way easier. Um, That's fair. You know, it also means I don't have to babysit the partners I'm bringing in. You're professional. You're professional. I expect you, like, I know you're going to deliver the goods. You're going to make this introduction. We're obviously going to stay talking throughout the process, but I don't have to babysit you. It's the same thing with lenders. Like, it's always one of, uh, and part of it is a realtor, right? I'm a control freak. I, I will own that. Um, but it's always one of my concerns about, when a client brings their own lender or especially their own attorney, um, 
I don't have a relationship. Now, they might be awesome, and they might become one of the people I start working with, and that, that has happened. But um, that communication level, I don't know what the relationship is like between my client and that other service provider, and there may not be one. You know, their dad, re- their dad recommended this attorney. <laughs> That's the relationship. <laughs> no, not that one. You know, and yeah. the attorney may not be a real estate attorney. That's always exciting. Um, yeah, one thing I like to do when, when, I, when I sense that kind of situation, if it's like a, a friend of mine, say I, I play ice hockey, and one, one of my hockey buddies buys a place or selling their place, one thing I do like to do is reach out to the agent and just assure them, <laughs> don't worry, I am a real estate lawyer, uh, yeah, just because this is my cousin, it doesn't mean that uh, you know, I'm, I'm some... Uh, you know, you're not a tax attorney. You're not a trial lawyer. Yeah. So exactly. trust me, that attorney, that real estate agent really appreciates that because you're like, who am I getting? <laughs> it's uh, probably a bit of a scary it, situation. Well, and especially when it's someone like, you know, that is a completely unrelated um, practice. Yeah. Like those darn divorce, divorce lawyers. Right, Charlie? Patrick, you're trying to trigger me on the air. All right, I'm not going to do it. If you swear, Charlie, I'm so going to go out there and and say that all humans are different, and there's good and bad in every different field. But yeah, when it comes to the motivation of those that charge by the hour, this is my distaste to certain you know certain attorneys. If all you do is try to run up the bill, that upsets me, and that's one of the nice things about the real estate law is and, and you correct me it's it's really not litigating you know you you pretty much have a flat fee for however long it takes you or your your team to work at things right right i, I everything i do is a flat fee regardless yeah. of, of whether it's real estate or any other type of matter i might get involved with yeah. um i have a fundamental disagreement with the concept of the billable hour because i think it puts my interests at odds with the client's interests. That's how I felt with my divorce attorney back when when that happened. I felt that, well, I I could prove it. His mother died three times (laughs) that he had asked for extensions over a two-year period. I'm like, you might have a lot of mothers, but, you know, I only got one. Yeah. So I don't know how they die so many times and you get to, you know, charge me $2,000 for doing nothing. Any any impediment I can remove between my client and I is going to make that relationship a much more collaborative relationship than one where a client is afraid to pick up the phone when I call or afraid to read an email uh, and respond because they know that that is when they see the billing statement, it's going to be right on there. No, I I don't want this. Um, And it was the same when I was working uh, for other lawyers uh, a long time ago, a lot less of this, uh, (laughs) both length and grayness. Um, But you feel like uh, in in some respects that you're working for the client, right? That's, uh, you know, from a professional standpoint, that that is the relationship and supposed to be looking out for their interests. But uh, they're not directly paying my paycheck. And the people that are uh, writing the check to pay me, they believe that I'm working for them because it's true. Now, if their interests are not necessarily fully aligned, let's say that the client's a couple months late on bills and I've got a deadline, I had situations, and I'm not going to name anyone's name, but I had situations where they said, set that matter aside. And if if we didn't meet a deadline, well, it it wasn't... What was I to do uh, in terms of, um, you know, in that specific kind of situation you end up doing what your boss tells you um never a place i want to be and and i i no longer have those situations both because i don't work for anyone else other than my clients and uh, i don't bill by the hour so which is huge to me and you know i i just had a call yesterday for example um client did not hire us they hired another home inspector already and now, I've gotten to the point now you know, where I'm just going to help everybody. I don't care. I don't charge to talk on the phone. I'm just going to do what I feel is the right thing. You know, Back in the firehouse, we had this saying, you do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. You do it the right way, and you do it at the right time, all right? And with no strings attached, right? So you just go out and give, and that's, that's part of our you know, business networking group that we're in. It's that giver's gain thing, all right? So anyway, they bought a house. The foundation had like a a, part, a partial collapse. They ended up pouring a brand new foundation to go ahead and replace that or they poured new concrete on it. So the client's calling me to see if we had structural engineers on staff and we don't, you know. 
and I was trying to explain to them about the, you know, what does a structural engineer do? You know, when are you going to need them? And when are we going to go straight to the foundation repair people? And I spent about a half hour uh, talking with this nice young man, you know, and his family and stuff like that. I didn't get the job that, that came in there, which is fine again, you know, but it turned out that they were not going to be, you know, hiring a, a structural engineer based on what I told them that we look for. And, and I guess I'm going back to the trust factor here, mm-hmm. you know, Scott, and I'm pulling it up there. Even though that wasn't my client, if it goes back to the R's, right? If you keep doing the right thing over and over again for your client, you're going to do well. However, I've also had times where I had a real estate agent, and this was just last week, call me irate. We didn't even do the inspection yet, but... You know, our client is buying a house with a chimney or and a wood burning fireplace that's not working, and or they had insulation stuffed up there, they wouldn't use it. So, I'm recommending we send a camera up there. We do charge extra for that. You know, it was an older home, so they, you know, I was they want to make sure the sewers are fine, so we charge extra for that. You know, mm-hmm. they had a family member that had um, very high allergies to mold. And they noticed that there was mud and water in the cross space that was in there, you know, so they wanted to do that as well um, when it comes in there. So, you know, she's like, well, and, and the bill ran up to like $1,700, you know, that's when you piecemeal these things. Sometimes sure. it gets expensive, you know, for what we do. And that's not unusual, you know, for our clients to want all those things done. So, you know, she's irate. She goes, I never heard this. I demand that you tell me everything that you're going to do. I want, you know, your fees and everything else. And, you know, of course, they always start off. And this is my kicker for pros, all right? You start off the conversation. I've been a real estate agent Uh, for 26 uh, years. And I'm like, uh, okay, I've been a home inspector for 30. So I It doesn't make you good. (laughs) No. It just makes you resilient. Okay. So I I, I babbled with a bunch of malarkey. It's a a bad argument in terms of your expertise. Very bad. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what can you tell me? Because I'm not going to change how we do the inspection. We sell a big, long list. That's what we're going to do. But you did talk about communication earlier. Yeah. All right. So how can you help me help our client? All right. What what information do you think that I could take and I can use, even Patrick can take and use, you know, or Joey, if he was here, to go ahead and help this client better? What sort of personalities should we be aware of? Well, I mean, I think part of it is that, that introduction, right? So I, for me, with Give me an example my vendor that. partners, it's sort of two steps. So I will call or text you and say, hey, I have so-and-so looking for an inspection. Well, first of all, I'm going to probably text you and say, are you available? What's your availability this week? Because here's the windows. And you're like, oh, great. Saturday at nine o'clock. Awesome. Um, Then I'll probably call or text and say, okay, so I have this client buying this, this, and this, Um, depending on how much info I have about them. You know, he's a first time buyer. Okay. Here's an example. I have one Saturday. First time buyer. It's an as is home. It needs a ton of work. My client knows that he's actually kind of excited about kind of rebuilding this house. So the inspection's really about all of the big stuff he doesn't know about, right? And he knows that going into it. So I gave my inspector that parameter, and then I make the email introduction between my client and the inspector, and then the two of them are gonna talk, and at some point then the inspector's gonna loop me back in saying, all right, we're all, I talked to so-and-so, we're ready for Saturday morning, we'll see you then. I think that that sets a pretty good um, bar for our level of communication. Okay. It's a um, little thing that doesn't take a lot of time and effort on your part, but no. makes a huge difference in my opinion. And those those are, I mean, that's it's the difference between someone who is just opening up the door after punching in the lockbox code and someone who is helping you find the place you're going to live in for however many years afterward. And what what kind of experience are you going to have when they're long gone, right? I'm working on other deals. And what you're describing has a much higher rate of success for that subsequent time frame than uh, the other one that, that I... Yeah. And I think I learned that, you know, the the person that got me, a friend of mine that got me into real estate um, was a really great mentor. I go back to, unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, but 
she's always a benchmark. What would Jane do? But also, like my own experiences. The, I think I've seen little signs, WWG. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I think Jane, well, we don't want to get into that conversation. Well, no, I think not. Jane has all, had a lot of really good answers, too. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then my own experience of home buying, my first two purchases, my very first purchase when I was like 30, I didn't know anything. And all the things that I came up against in those that deal and a subsequent deal long before I got into real estate are a driving factor of like, I never want my clients to have to go through this. I mean, my first deal actually was right down the street here in Milwaukee, the title company. My it's attorney right next door, I think. No, I, I know that one. Oh, different <laughs> no, one. This okay. is the one across yeah. the street, I think. But yeah. anyway, it's uh, yeah, I won't name them. But yeah, they're they're just up the up the road. Well, the title company was fine, so I'm not throwing shade there. But okay, uh, I, the attorney that I got was a friend of my dad's, who was oh, not a real estate attorney, who did an okay job. But we were at the closing table, and he pulled me out. He's like, "We, should, we need to go talk in the hallway," and his advice was, "You need to walk away from this deal." Now, uh, I was what? terrified. <laughs> I'm 30. I have, this is back in the day of like 20% down, 5% earnest money, um, paying off your student loans so you can get a loan mortgage. I have no money. What I, was his reasoning? Yeah, I'm that's what I want to hear. interested in the story. So the, um, it was a townhouse in Uptown and it was, the developer was selling them off. Mm. And the, the the unit I was buying was the last one. I think it was six or eight units. And the developer didn't do anything he, anything he was supposed to about starting an association, about putting reserves aside. And the other owners had been fighting with this dude. Mm. And I think the association, they started their own association. And I think they were trying to sue him because he he didn't start any fund, you know, any reserve dollars or anything like, like all the things you're supposed to do. Right. And so even though this guy was not a real estate attorney, you know, he dug in is like, he's not doing any of these things. He's agreed to do them. And then at the closing table, his attorney's like, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> and of course the seller wasn't anywhere to be found. It was just his attorney. And my attorney was like, I think you should walk away from this deal. And I'm like, I don't really have a choice. Like I have my leases up. My movers are coming Saturday. I've spent all of the cash I have on all paint and moving and right. Cause I'm, you know, I'm tapped out. I, so all these things that were awful. Yeah. I, I absolutely are a touchstone for me of like, I never ever want any of my clients to ever have to go through any of that stuff, whether it's with the attorney, whether it's with the walking away from a deal at closing. Ah. This, this sounds like such a mid 2000s story. I mean, I, I'm like having flashbacks to some it of was actually It was like mid nineties. So a okay. little, but, but yeah. anyway, yeah. So all is those that things. Normal, Pat. True. Is that? Do you? Do you? Is that ethical? If you tell somebody to walk away as an attorney. Well, okay. So I, I, I believe that, that he. I believe he was giving the the best advice that he uh, that he could give in the moment. He was foreseeing the problems down the road that I'm sure that you ran right into. Yeah, he was um, right. Because we yeah. bought. I bought the house and. Um, you know, the, the flip side of that consideration is, is that you're probably not getting the earnest money back, which, uh, if it was 5% of whatever you were paying in the mid nineties and at 30 years old, and you said you were tapped out on cash, that is something that is, is very it's difficult. It's a lot of money and it might not, it might stop you from getting a house at all. It, well, it might stop you from doing a lot of things, uh, yeah. just giving that cash away. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a Sophie's Choice sort of situation. Do I dive headfirst into the unknown with this uh, situation going forward, or do yeah. I cut it loose and complicate my life in so many ways? Well, let's push that back over on Scott. Scott, did they ask you any of those questions? Like, you know, did he share this information with you and say, this is why and, and how do you feel about this and this is what can happen and give everyone all the... Yeah, I mean, I think it's... So I think it, it, Patrick hits on a couple things, and just taking a step back, I think if he would have, the attorney would have been a real estate attorney, I think this conversation, and I'm not blaming him, because it was clearly the seller that, you know, reneged on what something he agreed to, but I think the conversations probably would have been 
we would have had some other conversations earlier upstream. So like, like, hey, if he doesn't do these things, I wouldn't recommend you moving forward. And if they would have, that conversation would have been even two weeks previous and not at the closing table, I would have felt like I would have might have had some options. And That's a good I, I don't, honestly, it's, it's a complete, I was in a fog, Charlie. I mean, I remember it's as clear as day standing in the hallway of this title company, just like someone had just punched me in the head. Because, I would be too. It's almost like being sandbagged with this, you know, problem and you have no way to fix yourself. But Patrick, it goes back to you too, then, you know, it's, it's where the lack of experience, and I, I don't care that what your title is, all right? If you're an attorney, you know, what's the, what do they call the last guy or the guy to finish last in medical school? Doctor, right? <laughs> and um, and I could give you a certain, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> um, but that's the same thing. And then, and then you go to the specialist. Like, if I'm going to get a brain surgeon, I don't want him fixing my ankle, all right? He might be really good at that part, but he's not going to be good in the other stuff. And, Patrick, this is where... Your expertise and experience 100%. has so much value. Yeah. Um, look, if I don't handle real estate transactions regularly, um, I may not, well, I, I won't uh, see all of the issues that, that are presented to me. Uh, and that's a, to the detriment of my client. Now, you know, what you're describing here is a situation with a you know, a townhome, you know, might have been condo, might have been common interest community. It, for the purposes of this discussion, it, the, the distinction doesn't matter. Um, seeing all of the documents, the governing documents, uh, seeing the budget, seeing the financials, all that stuff. If those don't exist, um, that is a, a piece of data to be evaluated. And you've got to get that stuff well in advance of closing. If I'm two days before closing and I don't have condo or common interest community docs and disclosures, we're we're painted into a corner at that point. Is um, it your responsibility to get those things, or the agents? Well, it's generally uh, <laughs> the responsibility is generally left uh, to the attorneys. Some agents, and and they are appreciated, will uh, gather such things um, uh, when they when they go to get the listing. Uh, and I can't remember who it was we were talking to, but but they said yeah, they they literally order them when they get the listing and. And they be in the listing agent. Correct. Do you do that? Um, I do if I can. I always ask my clients to at least start, depending on what, like if it's self-managed or what, yeah. to start collecting. I said, we're going to need these anyway, so let's just get them together or at least yeah. start the process. Yeah. It goes to something we were discussing at <clears throat> breakfast, which is that if there are issues that are going to be uh, fatal to this transaction, we need to find out as quickly as possible because... I don't want to rest on a, a really um, uh, on a trite cliche, but time is money. Uh, people people don't fully appreciate, at least my experiences, how costly a period of time is. Um, and so, if we end up two weeks off the market, three weeks off the market, a month off the market because the condo docs and disclosures didn't come mm -hmm. through, mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden you discover a rental restriction and the client was like, well, I was going to Airbnb this uh, you know, second bedroom. Yeah, we would have wanted to find that out um, way, way sooner. I think it was Lynn, Lynn Harvey we were talking about uh, this, this uh, situation now that I'm, I'm recalling. Yeah, but she wasn't the agent involved in that. And is no, this... but she was talking about um, uh, finding out about a, a situation where a client wanted to be involved with an Airbnb. And I think it was, I think she might have been on the other side of the deal, but she was talking about, you know, that's something that I, as a, uh, as, as a, a, a buyer's agent, I'm going to find that out before we're getting under contract. I mean, yeah. it waste yeah. everybody's 100%. time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, this gets back to the, getting to know your client, because if you know that's one of your client's wish list is like, oh, I want to be able to Airbnb a room or this whole condo unit, because that comes up in conversation, you know, like, that's a question I'm going to be asking the listing agent, like, oh, what's the rental rules here? Yeah, don't even tour that property. If, if, the, if you find out that there is a deal breaker already there, don't, don't even go there. Why, why right. would you? Right, because then you just get your client's hopes up because they fall in love with it, and you're like, oh, sorry, you can't rent. Yeah, and then they're, and they're yeah. asking me, how do we get around this? And I go, 
if you if you want to buy a place with a already picking a fight with the association, mm. okay, good, good, good luck. Yeah, yeah. that's um, mm, yeah. I don't recommend that. So I think going back to your question from a while ago, Charlie, about trust. I think all the stuff we're talking about, right? It is about getting to know your client. And I think as a realtor, yeah. if I'm the start point for the relationship with you, Patrick or Charlie, it it's incumbent upon me to try to gather as much info and share that with you because the the experience is going to be better. You're going to be better. You're going to know what, how to manage a call or if you're on site for the inspection, knowing someone is really nervous about, I don't know, their parents' basement flooded. So they're freaked out that, you know, this basement can't flood. And that's, that's high on their list. And that's totally reasonable. But why not... Um, why not be armed with that information? And, yeah, uh, and that's like the whole thing. And, and people are going, why do you, why do you dislike divorce attorneys so much? <laughs> <laughs> he's still he's still stuck on that. I am. <laughs> you know, everything uh, is I, I because I felt that my trust was violated. Yeah, no, All that's right? fair. Why why do divorced couples you know have so much animosity towards each other? Because they loved each other so much. And I and there was nobody else in this world who could have harmed me other than that person, right? Yeah, I mean, but, and, when I, a, and same thing with us. Buying a house is, you know, that's your relationship with that house is is one of the most important relationships in your life, and so. And it's an expensive one, but I think it also goes back to like, how do you channel that energy into being a better service provider? Like for me, my bad experiences as previous home buyers has, you know, really set a bar for my service and what I never ever want my clients to experience if I can prevent that from happening. Absolutely. And, and Scott, I can't tell you how much I respect that last statement. How do people get hold of you? We're closing in on the end of the show right now. So let's go ahead and give a few other scoops. And Patrick is nodding his head all over the place because yeah. he's got about another hour of stuff to share. Oh, no How do they problem. get hold of you, Scott? So again, it's Scott Fishman. I'm with the Fishman Group. So fishmangroup.properties is our website. 773-316-5409 is my cell phone. My email is scott at fishmangroup.properties. Um, on pretty much every social media, I am out there. I got to give a quick plug to the band I'm in, Judson, Maine. Um, I don't know if we have a lot of AM listeners, but uh, mm -hmm. we're a local cover band. We are also on a lot of social media. Um, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for being here. Patrick, please. Call or text 773-632-8330. And smash that like button wherever oh, yeah, you're listening to this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, my name is Charlie Belfontaine. You're listening to the Home Buyers Hour. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. And on this show, we like to bring in some of the most respectful real estate agents as possible. I like to give a special shout out. To our producer, his name is Devin Tingle, and he makes the show work. And he also gets rid of any swear words if we happen <laughs> to throw that out there. So that I'm very thankful for him. I'd also like to say a hello to my to my favorite listener, Bernie. He's out there. And I guess on the the final words of wisdom, you know, is is from what Charlie says, is you know we we don't sell houses. What we do is we sell relationships. And don't lose the value of that trust. So thank you for listening. This is Charlie, and I'm out. <laughs>